Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, April 20th, 2017, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I am your host, Sean O'Reilly, and to my left is Motley Fool Premium Analyst and St. Louis Cardinals diehard, Mr. Taylor Muckerman. What's up, Taylor? Sporting my red today. Got yes, you are. yesterday. First series win. You, uh, you feeling good? Yeah, better. Better? Yeah. Very good. My, uh, so I'm, of course, a Cleveland Indians fan. We're not going to talk about last year. But uh, my dad... I would talk about last year. I mean, yeah, you lost yeah. in Game 7, but you how still far did you guys get series. into? How far did you guys get? I was just, oh, funny. You know, yeah, oh, we yeah, did. Yeah. See, that's why I'm saying I would uh, want to talk about last right. year if I was you. There we go. Thank you. If I were you. Thank you. Yeah. If I were you. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how we need, what do you, we need a couple of those editors from upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> Just hold up paper on the wall, on the glass. Yeah. It's You said that wrong. You said it wrong. Jeez. You said... Use, use your, your commas and mm-hmm. your words. Um, so on today's show, we're ta- going to walk our foolish listeners through the fracking process. I know that sounds really attractive, I doesn't mean, we it? Use so the word, exciting. We use the word a lot. We haven't really ever described it's true. it. Yeah. And yeah. So, uh, but first, uh, and we'll of course mention a few interesting companies along the way. Maybe you know some some cool fracking sand companies. If our listeners ask politely, if they ask, should we, we should have like a chat sometime. Anyway. <laughs> Tweet at us right now if you want to. I mean, we could. We do live chats with our members. That's true. Yeah. We could do a, a live stream. Note, note for the future. Using Slido. Could we use Slido? I mean, yeah. You just got to throw yeah. a password out over a podcast, and if people listen to us, they get treated with uh, the password. So, uh, and of course, the password, if you had to pick, would be Go Cardinals or something. Uh, no, it would be too. Then, then people that don't listen don't every like week it. Yeah, it'd be would, would be yeah, able to figure like, it out. Yeah, okay. Um, so we're gonna walk, walk, walk through the fracking process, but yeah. first um, we gotta briefly talk about what's going on at uh, Arconic. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this week, sudden ouster of its CEO Klaus Kleinfeld. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that's right. Arconic is the lightweight metals and engineering manufacturer. Um, it's the successor, I guess, is the word I'm going to use. To well, uh, not successor because Alcoa still exists. So I guess right. it's just like. Well, no, but it was like. Now it's. This. It spun off the original aluminum production operations, and this is the advanced stuff. So, so Alcoa, Alcoa kept. Yeah, the aluminum production, and they spun off the the right. aluminum products division right. into Arconic. Yeah, um, it was just interesting to me because in every press release I've ever seen for this or just analysis, Arconic it's not mentioned as a spinoff. It's just we're yeah, separating I mean, they and just that's split. It. Yeah, yeah. They, I guess they did. maybe not. Sp- um, but anyway, bottom line, semantics at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, this happened about six months ago. Um, the guy that steered Arconic through this process into becoming an individual company was, and again, its CEO Klaus Kleinfeld. Uh-huh. And uh, total surprise, it was announced on April seventeenth that Kleinfeld had been forced out by investment manager Elliott Management. This is actually where it gets even weirder. Yeah, where? Um, Arconic said that Mr. Kleinfeld's exit came after he sent an unauthorized letter to Elliott Management that Arconic's board of directors said showed poor judgment. Mm -hmm. The company then said that Mr. Kleinfeld is stepping down by mutual agreement. I don't know what was in this letter. That sounds awesome. Somebody knows. Tweet at me, I guess. Um, Elliott said in a statement that the letter from Mr. Kleinfeld read as a threat to intimidate or extort a senior officer of Elliott Management based on completely false insinuations, a threat that we took seriously and about which we immediately and privately informed the board. Yes, yeah, so I would I would believe them if Whoa. they didn't already want him out of there for over a year. I, that's this the is crazy just thing. their excuse, and yeah. that's that's the 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 final cap. On I mean, they were probably thing. poking the bear for a year, and he right. finally woke up from Snapped hibernation. And, yeah, because yeah. um, they had uh, Arconics going to have a shareholder meeting on May sixteenth, uh, and they had it on the docket to get him out. Mm-hmm. So, 
that letter, like, I want to know what's in that letter. Like, what? That sounds like insane from a professional CEO of a large corporation. Yeah, and one that's, um, I mean, if you're a shareholder of Alcoa, because he's been the CEO of Alcoa before the split, he kind of pushed back against the split in, you know, in 2012, 2013, when, uh, the price of commodities started to started to fall, eventually succumbing to investors' demands and successfully overseeing the split and then taking control as a CEO of Arconic. Um, he's a visionary. I mean, he, he has these long-term visions for Arconic, not these near-term visions right. that Elliott Management has. And if you look at um, his, his success at Alcoa and then Arconic now, as a, a businessman and a relationship man with their customers, um, Boeing was going to go all composites. They were going to completely eliminate the aluminum products that they used from Alcoa and and now Arconic. He he had the CEO come to their plant. They they hashed it out and they sh- proved that they needed to remain a Arconic customer. And and it's one it of their worked, biggest yeah. contracts. And then you see the CEOs of. Airbus on top of Boeing, United Technologies, and GE Aviation, all voicing their support of for Klaus Kleinfeld. Right, but they, Elliott Management, just you know, they probably have some ulterior motives, some short-term motives, I'm sure. And uh, this is the not stock news. did yeah. pop a little bit, but all these reports you see about his his uh, track record in the market for Alcoa, well, when- I'll say, oh, this stock's done so poorly since he's been there. But they never mentioned the fact that the price of aluminum has also done quite poorly right. since he was CEO. The, um, I mean, lemons out of lemonade. Um, yeah. Last thing before we move on, um, but to your like what you're talking about, like he's a visionary and everything. When yeah. the split happened six months ago, I saw it uh, mentioned. I think it was in a Wall Street Journal piece, but it was um, like when the split happened, he had this big long production video of like the future, yeah, sixty what years you're from look now, like. and he's like, "We're going to build the future. Yeah. These towers with robots and blankety blank, and we're going to build it all." And it's like, "Oh my gosh!" All like this guy's thinking long term products. And as fools, we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. And as fools, we don't appreciate, or at least I don't appreciate, what happened. Um, I'm going to keep my eye on him and see where he ends up because if he doesn't Call choose to, if he doesn't choose to retire, I think that somebody's going to want him on their board or as in their C-suite. And uh, I'd be interested which company that is. Hopefully, they're public so I can follow along. There you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've talked. You know, we've been doing this for a year and a half or something together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, a lot about fracking. It's yep. kind of all we talk about. Well, I mean, it, it, it's what's disrupted the industry over the last uh, decade or so, and it's what's put American oil back on the map and natural gas back on the map. I have a um, good friend that um, he's a petroleum geologist, mm-hmm, okay. and um, I remember when he was in school, you know, like ten years ago, he gave a presentation about this, and I happened to be on campus, mm-hmm. and I was just passing through, and uh, he was talking about this and how revolutionary it was, mm-hmm. and you know, everybody was like, look, like you know, he's talking about uh, we're going to talk about it in a second, but drilling sideways and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. And in, we hadn't been able to do that until recently. So, um, first and foremost, we need to you know just kind of clarify some terms. Fracking is actually what happens after a well is drilled. Yeah. We've been drilling oil wells for over 100 years. That is not what, I mean, it's what the we're The technology touch there has definitely improved, but it's, it's not bit. what fracking is. Right. Yeah. Uh, you ever been to Drake's Well? In Pennsylvania? No, I haven't. Is it that is the original? So right? anticlimactic. Yeah, I'm sure. Kind of like uh, uh, the geyser in Yellowstone. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? Anyway. Whatever, dude. Um, so the actual well drilling, um, which again 
going down, we can now go 360 degrees around, and that immediately makes any given oil well more valuable. Yeah, I you mean, you used to just drill a hole and oil would come, and that'd be it. And you'd have to go straight down, but we're going up to ten thousand, maybe even a little further feet down. I saw now. this graphic, and they had like Empire State buildings, yeah, like multiples. Uh, multiple it was, Empire State yeah, they had like five, and, it was like, and oh we my can gosh. go over a mile horizontally once we're couple miles below the surface and uh, we're not just going straight horizontal anymore we have directional drilling where it's basically like a video game where does the con- drill does the bit do any imagine, like dance imagine, like I imagine the movie I imagine the movie tremors with that oh with gosh. that big monster <laughs> eating its way through the ground oh and gosh. just you know choosing its path at will you think That's they saw the movie we're and were like we need to do that yeah I would yeah <laughs> I mean it's not doing like spirals it has to have some sort of straight directional to it because they have to have the casings and right. cement to fortify it right but yeah I mean Bottom we're line. not just going a 90 degree angle anymore so um correct Correct me, but basically, when they're doing all these drills and then doing the fracking, mm-hmm. which we're going to touch upon in a sec, yep. um, a lot of what they do is to basically make sure the hole stays, yeah, in, in place and just together. A lot of a lot of pipe and a lot of cement go into this process. Um, so you know, you get a the first thousand or so feet, maybe I don't know, depends on the water level, but they have to protect that first and foremost. So and that gets cased in cement. Or yeah, something. it does. So they they lower the piping down, and then they before they drill any further, uh, they force cement down the hole, which then wraps around the pipe at the bottom, and then upfills, and then once it's cemented, they can then use the drill bit to drill back through the hardened cement. Yeah, and recreate the hole, and then they can, and then they can continue drilling down to the oil or natural gas. So first and foremost, they're protecting the water level. So they're making a thousand foot straw, is what basically. I'm hearing. Basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is a straw, but that's the most heavily protected part right. of the straw. Yeah. Okay, and that's so things don't collapse in on things. Well, that, and, and so that we don't uh, mess up with the water table. Important also. Yeah, so yeah. that the oil and natural gas aren't seeping out into the water table through cracks and maybe the casings. Right. And because basically, what you can imagine is the top of this hole has the widest casing, and then they just put smaller and smaller casings down through. So it's kind of like like a police baton when they snap it out. Right. It's or an inverted like skyscraper. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a good analogy, the baton. Yeah, yeah. Respect. Um, so hydraulic fracturing is the use of, this is what I got offline. The use of fluid and material to create and restore small fractures in rock formations. Mm-hmm. Um, one that hopefully has oil and natural gas in it, of course. Yes, you would hope. One would hope. There's companies out there that help help them arrive at that conclusion. Right. Yeah. So, you know, historically, we've just been, you know, you find these geologic formations, mm-hmm. and we know the, the types of rock that usually have reservoirs of oil. Mm-hmm. That's easy. Yeah, that's called conventional. That is conventional. Yeah, conventional that is easy. Oil, that is yeah. drilling hole, and it's like you know there big will be basins. blood. That's yeah. the it's boom big basins. And then, it, long, generally long-lasting wells. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what Saudi Arabia has with their guar field. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what yeah. we're talking about here. This is a little. This is like going down there, thousands of feet, and there's oil just stuck it's between trapped. the tiniest yeah. of rocks, and like it's actually crazy to think about. And we're yeah, getting it out. Thin layers that are separated by, by sediment and rock. Um, and so they drop uh, a wire line is what they call it down into this, down into these drilled wells and then um, send an electrical charge through this wire that then creates, like you said, a small explosion and they do it over stages. So um, are you saying they're fracturing the rock? They are. They're Taylor? fracturing the rock. It's causing a small explosion. See what I did there? In the, yeah, <laughs> through the steel casing and then through the rock. 
uh, with pellets and things that, that you know create a, uh, a, a diffuse reaction, and um, and so they do it in stages. And that's one reason why we're producing more oil now is because we've we've t- been able to tighten the spacing so we can have more stages per per well. Um, and then so they frack, then they plug, they frack, they plug, they frack, they plug. And then once they've fracked all the stages, they remove the plugs, and then they start the process of, of forcing the the fluids and propens down this into is the like, fractures. This is like putting a man on the moon stuff. Yeah, it's, like this I is mean, really maybe complex. even more complicated. No, that's like <laughs> yeah. You ever hear like the the computers they used the for the first you know Apollo eleven. Yeah. The, the original Game Boy had more computing power than those computers. Right, it's yeah. like Now you're anyway. just walking around with several of those in your pocket. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what companies? So we've 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 cut a lot of ground here. Yeah. There's. I mean, companies if I every have stage of this. if I have some acreage in the Delaware Basin mm-hmm. over there in West Texas, um, one I'm obviously a millionaire automatically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, do I? Sell the land to EOG and call it EOG Resources or Pioneer and call it a day, or can I hire a company to just do the fracking for me? Well, you would generally so EOG and the 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 exploration and production companies aren't necessarily buying the land. There's maybe sometimes leasing, they do, but they're leasing it. Yeah. yeah, and then and then as a as the acreage holder, you get the lease payments and you probably negotiate some royalties on top of that. That's it. Okay. Um, so that's what I would do theoretically. Yeah, theoretically, okay. yeah. So we're not going to talk about the producers today because we talk, those are some of the bigger names we mention all the right. time because uh, they, they are the folks that are most directly impacted by the price of oil. But yeah, so you're calling companies, A, you can call a company that can do pretty much everything, which is going to be a Schlumberger or a Halliburton, a Baker Hughes or a Weatherford. Those are like um, those are the Exxon Mobiles of the of the drilling and fracking world. They do everything, um, but they just do about. not own or produce or sell the. They oil, don't own the oil. Line. No, um, maybe there's some some kind of way that they can negotiate a contract with royalties. But no, for the most part, you're buying a stock in these companies because they're going to do the dirty work. And then they get a day rate, and then they get a day rate for the rigs, and then and then for all the equipment they use and rental prices and things like that. Yep. So. Um, so all along, sorry to interrupt. No, so yeah. all along, so they were giving oil companies a break. They have been on yeah, all these of day those, rates yeah. and stuff, but now they're like, all right, now that oil's they up, they got to eat bit, too. To, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so so then you get them to provide some of the equipment to do the drilling, to do the fracking, to do the completing, and then once once the oil starts flowing, they throw the wellhead on it. Sometimes called a Christmas tree, just because that's kind of what it looks like when okay. it's sitting on top of the well. And then once the oil is producing. They, on they, the next they, one. They wipe. They clean their hands with some of the orange, the orange automotive soap that really degreases everything, and then they move on to the next one. And another reason why we're producing and drilling so so more efficiently is because we have what we call pad drilling now, where they basically put some of these. I got that here. It's we basically pad put stage. these rigs on on tracks, and then they can just without disassembling them like they used to have to do. They used to have to take apart the I'm drilling a, I'm rig. I'm picturing like every the, single time. A crane the. It's like you know, a like bulldozer a or, or a tank. Yeah. yeah, it just moves along. And it's basically on a track, and they just called pad drilling, where they can slide it over to the next well site. Because disassembling these rigs was the bulk of the time that these companies were spending on right. actual drilling, and so because you can imagine something as complex. Yeah, exactly. And um, if one bolt's wrong, you know, you're screwed. Um, so let's talk real quick, or not real quick, but yeah, uh, talking about water and sand. Yeah, so What's up? water and sand make up about 98 to 99% of what you're forcing down there. And then you have some chemical additives that are uh, used for to pr- 
the t- yeah, like slick water solution to reduce whatever the, that is. the growth of bacteria, which can be dangerous, releasing gases. Right, right. Um, yeah, it also you know provides a bit more of a fluid environment, um, and so you ha- yeah predominantly water and frac sand or some sort of prop in depending on so what kind of well you're drilling. There are companies like U.S. Silica and High Crush Partners that literally just make the sand for these guys now. Well, yeah, U.S. Silica is is not only uh, it's not just sand. I don't even know if they do strictly sand. Silica implies some kind of yeah glass they they. Too. they, they um, they can actually create a very specific propent for a specific well. So, um, based upon the geologic properties right. that are downstairs. Yeah, and a company that Core Labs can tell you oh uh, what kind of propent might work right. best because they're they're a, a core and fluid analysis company that's used by pretty much everybody. And in you the can business. just send them a core to their lab, and you can send they it to them. You, you can cu- they'll come get it for you. Uh, we visited them uh, a couple years ago, and. They were telling us that companies even as big as Exxon and, and Chevron were outsourcing their core sample analysis to Core Labs because they did it so much better than everybody yeah. else. Um, but they've been hurt recently because their, their their future was very heavily reliant on deep water. So once that comes around, maybe that's another company to look at. But uh, you analyze the core sample, and then you can you can determine your water to sand, water to proper chemical ratio that, uh, that's specific for each individual well. So again. Technology helping us produce more oil and natural gas All per individual well. Kind of, you know, over the last five years, they've been, I assume, getting better at what we just described, and even just the last five years. And that's kind of what we've been talking about with these companies lowering their cost of production, yeah. even since 2012. But then you look at the these companies are using much more sand. So not only the companies you mentioned, but Carbo Ceramics. Uh, as well, and a couple smaller ones, Fairmont, Central Holdings, and Emerge Energy Services, um, all companies you could look at on the propent side of the business. And as these companies use more and more propents, demand obviously is, should drive the price up as long as they don't create too much supply right. too soon. Um, so before we finish up here, um, what's the flushing stage? It's just using water to flush out the well when you're done, or basically, yeah, just you know, you clean up, clean up on aisle oil, oh um, basically. Um, but a lot of these companies now, they're they're not the wells aren't being cleaned out as as quickly because they're going back and using uh, carbon dioxide to that, yeah. to go back in and try and force more. And that's oil usually out. on really old wells, really old, as yeah, I understand. really old wells, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're even going back. And trying to fracture conventionally drilled wells from a hundred years ago, I hear you're sometimes. not, yeah, n- you're not getting nearly a hundred percent of the oil and natural right. gas out of these wells. Um, I don't even. I'd be surprised if some of these wells are even reaching 80 percent. The conventional right? wells, yeah, yeah. So yeah. even and, and fracking wells are leaving, you know, even more percentage-wise in the ground than conventional. So they're going back and, and trying to use carbon dioxide, more water. Uh, that's flowing amazing. through these and, yeah. and refracking things in different stages after they've kind of exhausted uh, the conventional resource. So there's a lot of activity going on, and not only those companies that we've mentioned, but NOV, National Oil Varco, a huge equipment supplier. Um, if you're looking at the drilling rigs, Nabors is the largest land drilling pro- uh, rig provider in the United Distribution States. Distribution now gets these guys all their parts that they need exactly, when things yep. happen. Um, Helmrich and Payne is a very widely respected rig operator and, and rig manufacturer, and then Patterson UTI as well. So, different stages. If you want the whole thing outside of the propens, look at a, Hall- a Halliburton, Schlumberger, Baker Hughes, or Weatherford. If you want to get more specific, you can go propens with the companies we mentioned, U.S. Silica, High Crush Partners, Carbo Ceramics, and those other smaller ones. And then if you want the rig providers 
and, and operators, Helmerich and Payne, Patterson, UTI, and Nabors. They do other things, but that's the bread and butter of those of those three companies is the, is the rig and drilling side of it. Cool. Uh, well, thanks for your thoughts, Mr. Markman. Yeah, appreciate it. As a, you know, it's very important. It's going on all over the United States and, and the world eventually on the same scale that we have here. So, um, watch out. Yeah, you you can definitely not invest in the exp- exploration and production companies and still profit from fracking. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is it for us, folks. I want to remind our listeners that uh, the tech show is tomorrow. Tune in to get Dylan Lewis's thoughts. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And if you want to hit Taylor and I up on Twitter, just uh, tweet at us at uh, TMF Energy. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Taylor Markerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!